Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law, and welcome to BMF Week. It's finally here, folks. We all had a mild heart attack last week where they tried to take this away from us. I told Mark that the MMA gods, they were laughing at us, just laughing at us for getting excited. I actually just thought of a good analogy for this whole what just happened. This was mommy and daddy promised us the new Call of Duty if we got straight A's on the report card. And we we did all the math. We figured it all out. We thought we had it perfect. <laughs> that report card came in and Miss Janice in the art class gave us a B plus. And we had to go and have some conversations. And Miss Janice <laughs> felt so bad. She knew we wanted that Call of Duty. We worked so hard. She's like, you know what? I'm feeling a little sorry for you. You did not earn that A. There's these results say so you did not get that A. But we're going to give you that A. You're going to get that Call of Duty anyways. And, and uh, couldn't be happier for it. Um, with me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with me, Kid Presentable. Hello. Finally with me, the working man, Lavender Gooms. This is why I don't trust Whole Foods. That's why you need to go to Trader Joe's. Again, Trader Joe's. All we do is praise you. All right? All we do is praise you. Give us there a goddamn sponsorship. There would not be any tainted supplements from Trader Joe's. Probably. Hell no. I mean, honestly, if Nate just listened to Bobby more often, Bobby for like a year has been saying, you know, everyone thinks shit at Whole Foods, everything's organic, and that is not the case. And Nate Diaz did not buy into logic, and he bought some tainted shit. He scared us all, but you know, we're we're going to bend some rules over the weekend, and we're going to get it to happen anyway. So two things about Whole Foods: one, unless it says the word organic on the item, it is not organic. Two, fuck that, just go buy their mac and cheese. It's real good. Um. Yeah, um, a lot of stuff happened. Uh, first off, I don't think I've ever come to this podcast happier because Damian Maya got a win, got a got a submission win, and now Nate Diaz is going to fight, and it's the main event, and things are good, and let's see how much I can be disappointed this coming week. Um, but yeah, BMF Fight Week, we're going to talk about UFC 244. We're going to be picking the entire main card along with um, one of the preliminary bouts, which I believe is the 205-pound fight right guys that's right uh Corey anderson versus johnny walker yeah um which i don't know if it's going to determine the number one contender because it sounds like john jones wants to uh john jones saw his paycheck for the tiago santos fight and realized people want to see him fight people who are better i guess or more name value so he's out there talking about francis and ganu and shit like that um but we're gonna see if Corey anderson or uh johnny uh walker speak his interest the winner of that fight. Um, we're going to talk about, about all these fights, man. It's a deep card. We're going to get right into it. But first off, I mentioned the man who went out there, got bloodied by Ben Askren on his feet, Mark. But you know what? You go to the ground with Damian Maya, you're asking for trouble. And yeah. got a nice rear naked choke in the second or third round. Yeah, well, the, the audience uh, can't see it, but Steph, Mike, and Bobby can. I got my big vat 
of nacho cheese here because that's what I'm using to eat my words this week because uh, I completely called it wrong. Um, and my the main criticism that I really want to call out that I just blew was um, really underestimating Maya's bottom game. And that was crucial, essential for his victory here. Um, you know, it, it was interesting, Bobby, like we mentioned last week, you know, we were kind of afraid of a stand-up fight because, you know, neither of these combatants is very skilled in the stand-up. But, you know, we got a lot of time standing and it wasn't, it was, you know, the the skill level was much lower than what we see at high level welterweight. Obviously, probably the lowest skill level you'll see in like the top ten ranked guys. Um, but they matched up well, and even though Ben is is technically not as sound as Maya on his feet, he was doing the right things, fighting a southpaw. He was using his right straight as his lead punch. He was using his inside leg kick. When they got in the clinch, he was quick with an uppercut. You know, he did some stuff well in the stand-up to you know bloody maya and maya was just throwing a lot better you know his punches were a lot more crisp he would turn the hip on the punches and i think why this fight was so exciting is the stand-up exchanges while not very technical were aggressive right they were both going at it there wasn't a lot of stalling and obviously when these guys got in the clinch when these guys got on the ground that's where we really got to see um where their skill really lies and see both these guys utilize um, their best attributes in there. Um, the takedowns for Ben were amazing. They were awesome. That's really when you're coming to a Ben Askren fight. That's the thing I'm most excited to see is how he's going to take this guy down. Is it from a clinch? Is it from a double leg transitioning into a single? He has so many options. He's so good at it. Um, and on top, he usually does very well. And Maya was able to get him in guard, uh, threaten with submissions, especially with the triangle. And, you know, when Ben would get out of the triangle, go into the Uma Plata. And this is where I thought, Ben made some mistakes when he was on top, when he was threatening with the Uma Plata. It didn't seem like it was that deep, but the way he got out of it was to basically roll to his back and give up top position. I think that was a big mistake. I think Ben made some crucial mistakes on the ground and ultimately led him. I think that it was mistakes, and on, honestly, I think he started gassing a little bit. You could see Ben going into this third round, especially before the submission uh, was landed. He got reversed, was on his back, and he looked up to the clock and was looking at time. And I think Ben was really tired, and he was taking in time in consideration of what he had to do to win the round and not thinking clearly of what I need to do right now to stay in the fight, not lose any more position, get into a better position. And he made some crucial mistakes. Maya got his back. He you know, locked up a triangle. And Ben tried to fight the hands a little bit, but it was pretty much done before he even really got it under his throat. And, uh, you know, great performance by Maya. Uh, probably one of his best in a long time and a really fantastic fight. And I think that's what we're all looking for in this one. Yeah, he uh, signed a new contract, he said, I guess. And he's got two more fights on it. Mentioned that he'd like to... I like the way Maya puts it. I would like to compete with Diego Sanchez. Maya's like the goddamn gentleman of this sport, man. <laughs> he's just would like... A, he'd like to compete with Diego Sanchez, which... I'm okay with that fight because I feel Diego Sanchez is going to take too much, is it going to take too much abuse? You know? And I think Maya's probably got this one. Um, Steph, um, Ben Askren, God bless him, man. When he loses a fight, he doesn't hide. He's the worst example of this is always Ronda Rousey. Um, I guess best example, actually, really. Uh, Ben Askren really immediately got interviewed after, talked about the mistakes he's made and how disappointed he was. Today on Ariel's show, he mentioned how he might retire. Um, and that, uh, you know, he never really loved fighting. He loves wrestling. And this was really a way for him to make a living, um, doing that continually. What do you think, man? You think, uh, you think he should call it a day? Uh, or do you think we see, um, you think Ben Asker should come back for a little bit more? Mm -hmm. I mean, 
if, if he's good with it, I'm, honestly, I'm good with it too. I, I love Ben Askren as a character. I've I've been into him and his boring ass style. You know that I've I've been repping him hard. Uh, he, he his his UFC run's been pretty bad, right? Um, he's technically one and two. Should be zero and three, right? That Robbie fight. He didn't really win it. It took some real fluky stuff. He's a great personality, um, but if he's ready to hang it up, I'm ready to stop. I don't need to see him fight Jim Miller. You know, like, I don't need him to fight in the UFC just to fight in the UFC, right? My whole interest in Ben Askren, because he was retired already. So for the whole thing of him coming out of retirement to give UFC a shot was to do see how he stacked up against the big fights. Um, you know, Damian Maya wasn't necessarily a big fight, but it was like, you know, going into it was at least interesting, right? We wanted to see these this style clash and the fact that he couldn't get that done. What is it, it tells us everything we need to know about where he is. He could hang around and be a gatekeeper to the top fifteen, but does maybe someone wants to watch him do that? I'd rather just see him in commentary in the studio. Um, I don't need to see him keep fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, um Ben Askren, um, if he does call it a day. This is a guy that the UFC traded their most successful champion ever for. Um, a guy we all wanted to see in the fight in the UFC for a really long time. What do you think his legacy ends up being? And do you really think he gives a shit what it is? I honestly don't even think his legacy is really tied to to Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Because the UFC wanted to get rid of Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. They didn't want to pay him anymore. They... We're done with him. So for them, it was really no sweat off their back that they lost their 125-pound uh, champion. And I think they got what they wanted out of Ben Askren. They got a name who, frankly, was probably as comparable as Mighty Mouse when it came to at least name recognition, when it came to some mixed martial arts. And they were able to get, I think, a lot more stories and headlines out of Ben Askren than they did out of Mighty Mouse. Although, one of those stories that got a lot of press was him getting his uh, face smashed in by a Masvidal knee. But, That's true. Hey, man, they're about to sell a lot of pay-per-views off that. So, <laughs> But I think when it comes to the legacy of the uh, you know one of the rare trades in MMA, I don't think it was that bad on the UFC side. And for Ben Askren, I mean, as Steph said, he came out of retirement. Um no one ever really thought he was one of the greatest light heavyweights ever. You know, it was always, man, Ben Askren really holds people down, but he's never really fought in great competition before. So this was his chance to try to prove if uh, if he was one of the top guys. And, you know, it's no sweat off his back that, and I'm sorry, a welterweight, not, light, yeah. not lightweight. It's no sweat off his back that, you know, he didn't do too great in the UFC. He fought some really great guys. Yeah, and shit, man, he, we, his athletic prime was we spent five years with this dude in Asia because the UFC didn't want to give him a chance. I did appreciate Dana White just going full Donald Trump when they asked him, do you regret the trade? And he's like, no, it was an amazing trade. I'm like, all right, man, let's just dial it back a little bit. Um, The rest of this card, I'll be honest, I watched the co-main event and I think I texted you, Mike, Michael Johnson doing Michael Johnson things, doing well in a fight, giving it away. It probably honestly should have been a draw. For those of you who watched it. Um, but, you know, didn't work out um, for him. Lost the decision. Um, also this past weekend, Bellator held on about held about 45 fights. 
Um, the most relevant one was that uh, Stefan was right and um, Douglas Lima got that win back from Rory McDonald. Um, really an excellent performance from Douglas Lima, a guy that Steph we talked about not getting enough credit probably given where he fights. Um, really nice for a guy like that to get a, like a marquee scalp on his record, wouldn't you say? Um, yeah, big win. Admittedly, I didn't see it. Um, but yeah, it, 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 you know, I've kind of questioned where Rory is lately, and that's probably why I didn't believe him uh, too much. But um, yeah, Douglas Lima, he's one of those guys who's been floating on the fringes. You know, if it was three, four years ago, I'd love to be given him that Ben Askren, Hector Lombard, uh, Bellator champion love. I used to have uh, space in my heart for, but I just can't. I just can't make that plea anymore. But um, hey, it's, it's a nice. It's nice for him. It's the biggest win of his career so far. Uh, Mark, um, Roy's a free agent. You think the UFC kicks the tires at all here, or you think he's going to stick around in Bellator? Uh, I, I really don't know. Um, mostly, he doesn't seem to know really what he wants. Um, and I kind of think like the UFC is not going to be super interested in a Roy McDonald coming off a loss, losing his belt, a lot of his prestige. I mean, really. These last couple Bellator fights haven't been super great, right? Drawing with John Fitch isn't super great. Look, losing to um, Musashi wasn't great. And now losing this fight is not super great. So I don't think they're looking at Rory McDonald thinking like, oh, this is a hot prospect that we can, you know, he has a lot of momentum that we can build off of. It's kind of like, you know, we dropped Rory before. We were kind of okay with it. It's not like he has a lot more heat behind him now than he did when we dropped him. I don't think they're super interested. Um, yeah, um... Someone said Roy Nelson might have retired, but I don't know. Frank Mir got a win. Good for him. Frank Mir winning by decision has happened twice, apparently. And if you bet on Frank Mir winning by decision, you got like three to one odds. So Nice. And he was really happy. He, his daughter was in his corner, and he was able to get a win. I guess she's going to fight. That's why she's actually training to fight. So watch out for young um, – I, I don't know her first name. Young Miss Mir, though, coming to an octagon or – Bellator hexagon, maybe? I don't Hexagon. know what they got. Near you. Um, Bellator's doing something, but whatever. Let's get right into the BMF uh, fight. Um, we can talk about the mild heart attack we all had. Um, you mean Couture? Oh, by the way, oh, Randy wow. Couture. Randy Couture has a heart attack, walks to the hospital, then walks home because he's like, I walked to the hospital, I'm walking home, which is just like, that's some fucking, like, just grown man stubbornness right there. Well, it's also just like, do any of us have a chance? Like, if Randy Couture is getting a heart attack at, what, how old is he? Like, maybe his 60s? It's like, oh, man, I don't have much of a yeah. chance, right? And also, what else do you expect? I mean, walking is actually very good cardiovascular workout. Man. So you have a heart attack, you know, you do a little walking. Man, you've been to Vegas, man? You, you think you're walking a small distance. You've been walking for 20 minutes. It's one block. Okay. You don't you don't know where what's what the how far this walk is gonna be. Um yeah, Randy Gator if you missed the news. Uh, apparently he's uh uh sorry. Gonna be okay. Yeah, gonna be okay. <laughs> sorry about that. Um he's gonna be all right. He had a heart attack, he walked in, he walked out. A little scary, but Captain America's still gonna be around. Um anyway, so Nate Diaz had an irregular drug test. This is the summary as far as I know it. Nate Diaz had an irregular drug test. And then uh the UFC and USADA was like were like, hey man, let's just keep this thing quiet. We'll announce it after this fight's over. Nate Diaz, um, don't play that shit. And is not gonna let his reputation be tarnished on any level. And he said, nah, I'm not fighting until you fix this. Um 
I'd like to think Nate Diaz has thought this out entirely, but he pretty much thinks it's a giant conspiracy against him, as is the Diaz way. Um, <laughs> so Nate Diaz personally announces this. UFC says nothing. USADA says nothing. The commission says nothing. Nobody hears from Dana White for like a day. And when you hear from him, all you see, you get all the message Kevin Ioli from Yahoo got was, sorry, was having dinner at the White House. Which, Mark, as you put it, gross. Um, no, and also gobbling down quarter pounders with the prez is like, you know, no, like, you can, you can what, was the, what was the exact quote? You're like having deep conversations over quarter pounders. Yeah, something about like <laughs> an enlightening, enlightening evening, you know, there with fistfuls of uh, double, like McDoubles or whatever. But, yeah. By the way, if you were at the Washington Nationals Houston Astros game last night, if I was ever to run into you in this life and you show me your ticket stub, I will buy you a beer. <laughs> okay? Just putting it out there. I owe 60,000 people a beer. I'm 33 years old. I'm not in the greatest of health. You got about 37 years, though, I think, to collect from me. Just letting you know. Yeah, okay. I'll be in New York in a week and a half. Want to look out for me. Um. All right. Um. Yeah, so um. ultimately, the UFC decides, hey, let's just Let's just check all of Nate Diaz's supplements. And um which all came from Whole Foods. Which, as Mike put it, you can't trust Whole Foods. Can't trust Whole Foods. Um one of them had SARM in it, which is a selective an- SARM. Selective androgen receptor modulators. Um it's something to offset the side effects of steroids. But mm. he had it in such a low dose. That they were like, well, that's why the part of the reason they're like, let's just roll, let's just talk about this after the fight was like, it was in such a low dose. They're like, well, okay, there's no way anybody would take this low of a dose if they were on steroids. Um, but they tested all this shit. One of them, some plant based bullshit had it, which, you know, eat, eat meat, people. You don't test positive for this stuff, apparently. Um, they solved this in 36 hours. They normally take weeks and months, but don't worry. If you guys think they changed the policy for this, they say they changed the policy back on August 31st, but they didn't announce it. There's no evidence that they did that. Super um, policies. I just want to say, Mark, I, I talked to you about this when this happened. I never seen somebody test positive and everybody be like, no, nah, that's bullshit. <laughs> that was impressive. Yeah. I mean, it might... I- I think there's a lot of factors into why the public was maybe more receptive that this seemed fishy than some other people. And it might just be some other people that popped. You already assumed they popped. So it's like when Romero says he has a tainted supplement and you're like, yeah, dude, we know they were tainted. You took the tainted one. <laughs> you picked them out of the cookie jar that way. But I, I think, you know, people, I mean, it's weird because Nate has skirted the line with a drug test, right? He literally like, lit up a joint and was smoking it in one of the things. So it's like, you know what? Like if he's going to be that blatant with that kind of shit and know that he's going to get past, he must kind of know his P's and Q's about what he can and can't take. And he's been very adamant about pointing the finger everywhere else. You just kind of assume he doesn't do it. And, you know, I, and for me, I mean, and we've talked about, st- I mean, it's so sad how much these conversations happen repeatedly over and over again. And we, you know, put our stances. I really don't care. So it's just like, you know, just let them all do the steroids. And then who cares? There's, you don't have to worry about these failed drug tests outside of competition. But ultimately, yeah, they, they, it seems a little weird. You know, it seems weird that they would tell the fighters that they failed beforehand and you can still show up and fight. It should just be the fight is immediately canceled. So it's weird you saw it as that. 
I think that's normally the policy, but I right. think this and time they're like, it's weird. They do it. It's very <laughs> wrong. And I like that Nate, you know, basically was up front, you know, and I think that's also the thing, right? He could have, if he wanted to just been like, okay, I'll deal with this after the fact. Let's do the fight. Let's get the paychecks. And, you know, but he was like, I'm not a cheater. I'm not going to play this bullshit like Brock did. You were going to get this sorted. I'm not going to fight because you said I cheated. Fuck you. And like I mentioned to you, Bobby, I now that the fight is going through, they've you know adjusted the rules. I'm not going to be surprised. And this was more so when we thought he wasn't going to fight at all. That I don't I don't know if Nate is ever going to fight again because I don't think he's going to trust USADA. I don't think he trusts the people that he's supposed to trust for the drug test. I don't think he wants his name you know, being tainted, you know, with people saying like, yeah, well, that one time, you know, I think this is going to rub him the wrong way. And I wouldn't be surprised if he wins this fight or loses this fight. He says, fuck this shit. This sport's been corrupt my whole life and I've been dealing with it and I don't need it anymore. Fuck you guys. I'm going home and doing triathletes or triathlons. You know, I wouldn't, I'm not going to be shocked if that, that, if that's what comes out of this. You know what, man? I actually disagree with you on that part just because what he said today, which was when they asked if you win this fight. That's true. I didn't hear this. So. Um, if you win this fight, do you want a welterweight title fight? And he said, um, if I win, they got to come fight me for my belt. <laughs> oh, he's, he's got his first challenger already coming right off a loss as the bad motherfucker title challenger should. Jeremy Steam is. He wants the smoke next. Um... So um, I do appreciate Nate when you, you know, you know, things are serious, Mike, when you, I mean, you put your statement out, you got to go to the notes app on iPhone. That's, Yo, that, that's when things really are hitting that. You, you, you know, <laughs> you know, you're going to blow by, blow past that character limit. Yeah. Um, and I did like his title was you're all on steroids because Nate knows why. Oh, you are. Why? Oh, you are. What made it perfect is you're all on steroids, comma, not me. Yeah, not That's me. What made it. All right, guys, a bit of a technical snafu. Hopefully you guys can all hear me. And that was a nice weird transition for you. As I was saying, um, Jorge Masvidal didn't bat an eye when he saw this. He just said, I know you're not on steroids. I'll see you next week. So Very classy. Jorge also wants that check. Sounding like a man who wants those pay-per-view points. I was going to say, they're like, you want to fight Leon Edwards? And he's like, I already fought Leon Edwards. I beat him up backstage. People saw that fight. We don't need to do this again. Um, so, yeah. Um, I w- By the way, I think you, the UFC is not going to re-up their contract with USADA. Though, that being said, USADA seems pretty amenable to bending their rules for them. So, maybe they will. Um and as always, the UFC makes a bunch of changes, doesn't consult the fighters. So Nate Diaz, a man fighting for fighters' rights while fighting for his own. Anyway, um, let's just get her into this shit, guys. Uh, Jorge Masvidal, Nate Diaz, welterweight fight at in the ba- in the bad motherfucker division, which I'm still not clear if Nate wins. Is the Rock putting the belt on him, or is it only gonna put the belt on Masvidal? If uh, if Nate Diaz wins, uh, the ghost of Tupac Shakur comes out and puts the belt on Nate Diaz. I'm just saying, Nate knows E40. All right? At, at the barbecue place in Walnut Creek, there's a picture of Nate and E40 right on the wall in Kinders. All right? <laughs> um, okay. Betting line, Steph. Um, I guess I'm not surprised, but we got a – it's almost a coin toss, but a one-and-a-half favorite, basically. We got Jorge Masvidal. At minus one sixty five to Nate Diaz plus one forty five, and that's basically the odd for odds for every fight we're gonna pick. 
By the way, everybody's a slight favorite, right, Steph? On every one of these fights, um, with the exception of the co-main, but nothing. There's no giant. No one's bigger than a two-to-one favorite. Let's say no easy picks this week, and we're picking a lot. Yeah. Um. All right. I'm taking Nate Diaz. Shocker. Um. But honestly, I have always had a pro. I've talked about it on this show. I have a hard time picking against Diaz brothers in fights where the other guy's not a wrestler. And if you give them five rounds to work, I just think they're going to be there. And Jorge, I think we've said this a bunch of times too, Jorge's a B-plus everywhere. He can literally do everything pretty well. I just think, I think Nate's going to get him. I think Nate's too big. I think Nate is, cardio's on a different level. And I think Jorge's going to get choked somewhere around the third or fourth round. That's my pick. Steph, what do you got? Um, I'm pretty much in the same boat. Um, yeah, Jorge's great. He's right in the vein of the Diaz brothers himself, down to sometimes giving fights away due to just low output, um, you know, and seemingly disinterested in certain rounds. But um, he's not definitively stronger than Nate anywhere besides probably like one one knockout type power. But um, I don't think he's going to catch Nate with that kind of shot. So um, I got Nate here as well, but I will say um, because Mike was kind of making a you know a little kind of question of is anyone going to take Masvidal? I reserve the right to switch to Masvidal based on somehow these other picks go. If we're not if we're not being that interesting, if we're not being that ballsy in the number of coin flips there are, I reserve the right to flip this one later. Real quick, Mike, can you give us the standings where we stand right now? With I certainly can. Uh, I am still atop at 51 and 43. Uh, Steph and Mark are coming up right behind me, a game, a win behind at 50 and 44. And with Bobby's strong one and one showing last week, he has crept up to 49 and 45. Shout out to Damian Maya. You did that for me, man. Make some moves this week. (laughs) Mike, since you're talking already, you're picking a Diaz, right? The only time I have picked against a Diaz brother, it cost me five thousand dollars. Well, you might damn you, Conor McGregor. <laughs> anyway, um, um, yeah, I'm I'm picking Nate Diaz. Um, honestly, Nate Diaz has only been knocked out once in his life, and that was against uh, Josh Thompson. And I don't see. Uh, Jorge Masvidal, while Jorge Masvidal does have more power than Nate, um, I don't see him landing a uh, you know a, a flying knee in this fight. And if that's the case, I, I can see this round easily going to the fourth, fifth round, going to a decision. And if this goes past the third round, that's going to be Nate Diaz territory. You know the uh, the triathlete, as uh, as Mark alluded to earlier. Um, I think this would be a fight that would be reminiscent in many ways, I think, to the Anthony Pettis fight where Nate Diaz will be able to control the boxing. And, I mean, Nate Diaz even showed a penchant for actually checking leg kicks in his last fight. Suffice it to say, maybe I'm a little scared to say, perhaps he's evolved a bit as a fighter. So who knows what new tricks we might see up his sleeve this time. Marcus, um, your pick, but also let's just mention... Well, we're all probably leaning in one direction here. This on paper is going to be a goddamn crackerjack of a fight. Yeah, no, and I honestly, when we first started picking, I was going to pick Corey Masvidal, and it's almost like you guys convinced me not to. Um, 
And mostly what I think this really breaks down is I think Jorge is a large, lot sharper on the stand-up. You know, I think he has more crisp punches. I think he throws better combinations. Um, I think he's more versatile. I think he is going to throw kicks. I think a tool that I've... And, and why I was leaning towards Masvidal is really just I've been consuming a lot of his own media on his YouTube channel. I don't know. I mean, Bobby, I'm sure you remember, and Steph, and maybe even Mike. Um, Jorge was heavily featured on Middle Easy when, you know, right around when we were first started doing this podcast and he's kind of had a crew of people that film stuff. And recently, you know, with the new spark of interest after he beat Ben Askren, he has really been pushing that social media stuff using old footage that I saw before to kind of repackage it for new videos, shooting new footage. And I've been watching and consuming it and I've just been getting more and more on the train, but ultimately what I think is going to happen. I think this is going to go into deep water. Um, I would not be surprised if this goes to decision. But I also, because of what you guys said, you know, Nate's going to be there in the late rounds. I think he's going to have more energy. And if he can dominate the clinch, I think that is really where that's the big question mark. If he can dominate the clinch like he did with Pettis, I think he can cause Mosfidal a lot of problems. If he doesn't allow Mosfidal to use the clinch to kind of muscle him and regain some energy, if he's the one pushing the pace, throwing knees, threatening with takedowns, um, if he can put on a really fast pace with Mosfidal, I think he could tire him out, and I think maybe he could catch him late. Ultimately, I could see this fight going to the decision, and there it's really a toss-up, like you said, Bob. This fight is really close. I think where Masvidal is going to be a little sharper, Diaz is going to throw more uh, attacks. He's going to strike a lot more. Um, and the ground, obviously, Nate's going to have an advantage there. So I think that's ultimately why I'm siding with him. I think the stamina and the edge, potentially in the clinch and on the ground, um, I think Nate has a good chance to win here. But Masvidal is very much a live dog. He is very dangerous. If he can start, you know, well, he's a favorite. Kicks, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> probably because his last performance, he finished, you know, in five seconds where it took Nate the distance to go with Pettis. So he looked very. Um, sharp in his last performance and i think it's going to be close and i think if masvidal uses some more tools i think if he goes to the body if he kicks the liver he throws liver punches i think that is another chin that diaz is not going to have as sharp as his actual head movement and not getting knocked around in the temple which he's very good at you know negating a lot of power i think if masvidal chains things up goes to the body he could be successful but such a such an interesting fight such mark, a close fight to pick i mean there's mark, a reason we all got mark, hyped mark, mark mark why don't you just take him but it's nah, like, like convinced now like his chances are a little slimmer than I was thinking before. I don't, Man, I don't think he's going to done. Nate's been on steroids this whole time too. And so he's, hiding he's, it so successfully. <laughs> successfully. Um, yeah, this is – I mean there's a reason when Nate Diaz said Jorge Masvidal's name, that whole crowd was like, oh, shit. And like, you know, it was – this is the type of stuff we all as fight fans live for, this type of matchup. Um, this co-main event though, I am as I I don't know Darren Till, Kelvin Gastelum. This is Darren Till's middleweight debut, if I'm not mistaken. A move he should have made, I don't know how many fights ago. Um, I think right around the time lightweights start knocking you out, it's probably a sign you're cutting too much weight. Um, yeah. Betting odds for this one, Steph, Calvin Gastelum's pretty, he's the biggest favorite, you said, right? Uh, of the ones we're picking, yes, he's coming in at minus 200 uh. to Darren Till's plus 170. Um, I'm going to go Mark here on this one. Who do you got? Yeah, I I'm going with uh, Calvin. I, I think these guys both coming off losses. I think Calvin still has a lot more momentum. He did very well against Izzy. He pushed Izzy really hard. Um, 
Darren Till, and it could very well been the weight cut to 170 was really compromising him at that weight class, and maybe he looks like an absolute beast at middleweight, but I like Calvin because of the momentum. I think he can look at that Izzy fight and take some positivity away with it and 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 really know that if he gets another shot at him, maybe he could beat him, and I think that is going to give him some confidence in this fight. Till, it's just, you know, how does he look at middleweight? You know, maybe this is the weight class he really should be fighting at. Maybe he's going to carry a lot more power. He's going to be more devastating on the feet. Um, but Calvin also being a wrestler, you know, if he can get some shots in, even just make Till work out of the clinch, make him work off the ground, make him, you know, utilize some energy there and then, you know, get him tired. I think Calvin has some more avenues where he can be successful or Till, it's really going to come to the stand up. It's really going to come up to him blasting him with kicks and this extra power he's going to have at middleweight if it really translates or not. So I'm a little bit more comfortable with uh, Calvin, but Till's very dangerous in this fight and it's really just is this the weight class for him? Is he going to have even more power? Is he going to be able to, you know, blast head kicks? And even if the dude has both arms up, still get rocked, you know, if he has that kind of power, which he might have at middleweight, he could very be very dangerous in this division, but we just don't know. So I'm going to go with Calvin. Mike, uh, Gastelum, uh, giving up three inches in height here, which I thought was more, honestly, I thought Till was bigger than six foot tall, but, uh, what do you got in this one, man? Yeah, you know, Darren Hill making the the same move up to middleweight that Kelvin did a few years ago because neither of their bodies can really could really handle being welterweights. Um, I have Kelvin in this fight. Um, I don't think that the the height and reach disadvantage that Kelvin is going to have is really going to make too much of a difference at this point. Kelvin has always been a short middleweight, so this is something that he's he's used to. You know, he dealt with that disadvantage, if I'm right, in the Adesanya fight. I think Adesanya was was much taller than him too, and he afforded himself very well in that fight. Um, proved that he's one of the best middleweights in the world. And Darren Till, he's coming up to middleweight in his first fight, and as Mark said, those can go either way. Either the guy looks revitalized or he looks like Chris Weidman. Um, considering Chris Weidman is still fresh on the brain, um, I'm going to go with that Darren Hill might need an adjustment um, an adjustment fight at the new weight class. And it also doesn't help that he's fighting one of the best in there. So I'm going with Kelvin. Um, I, You guys said it. That fight with Izzy, I thought Gaslam was about to be the middleweight champion or the interim middleweight champion. That fourth round, um, he really was laying it on Izzy. It was actually a 2-2 going into the fifth with Kelvin having all the momentum before Izzy dug deep and really showed us what the fuck he's made of. Darren Till has got problems that is not just that he's uh, was cutting too much weight. Um, he's gotten, cr- like, cracked. Like, he's leaving big openings um, in his last two fights. And I don't think any of us thought he beat Wonderboy. Um, he was getting a hit a lot in that one. So I don't, I do think this is the right weight class for him, but I don't think fighting a guy, another guy who's faster than him, because Gastelum's faster than him, is necessarily going to be the thing that shows him. So I'm, I'm going, I'm going with Kelvin too. Steph, this is going the way you thought it was. <laughs> uh, pretty much. Um, I don't have a lot of faith until right now. Um, if he is revitalized, he's got to show it to me. Uh, because on top of the weight, and this is the thing I'll say is a little different from, you know, Mike mentioned them kind of both moving up for very different reasons. Um, Darren was draining himself to Skeletor levels. Kelvin didn't want to stop eating mom's cooking. Uh, <laughs> there was a very, there was a big uh, difference in circumstances for their uh, weight uh, class move ups. Uh, but um, Kelvin with the wrestling, 
Um, cause the one thing that he'll have is something that Darren's very susceptible to. He has an Englishman's level of takedown defense. Um, you know, when you remove Bisping from the equation, yeah, he looks like how a lot of English fighters do when it comes to dealing with wrestlers and he's susceptible to the overhand. So Kelvin, if he fakes a shot and comes in with the big overhand, which is his power punch, it's so easy to picture Darren Till just getting like shut off and slept in this fight. Um, this is going to be a good one here, and I'm really hoping people uh, get an idea of how good Vicente Luque is in this matchup. Vicente Luque taking on uh, Wonderboy Thompson. Um, Wonderboy Thompson, I feel we haven't seen him fight in a while. Last time we saw Wonderboy Thompson was Anthony Pettis knocking his ass out in March. Um, he returns to Madison Square Garden where he fought Tyrone Woodley at UFC 205 to a draw. Uh, Vicente Luque is 10 and 2 in the UFC. Um, he's won six straight. Quite frankly, you should have gotten an opponent this good a while ago. Um, I think he's awesome. And he is fucking people up. Like, there's a lot of finishes in there. Up until that last fight with Mike Perry, where they just beat the crap out of each other for 15 rounds, which is what happens in Mike Perry fights. Um, is just finishing people. Just finishing a lot of people. This guy who started his career seven and four when he got into the UFC, and has just put him, turned himself into just a killer in this weight class. Um, I think it's pretty obvious where I'm going with this one. But what are the betting odds here, Steph? Uh, coin flip. Uh, minus one thirty, slight favorite to Wonder Boy and Vicente Luque coming in at plus one ten. Um, I recognize why Wonder Boy is a favorite, and I think, quite frankly, he would be a bigger favorite if he wasn't coming off of just getting put down by Anthony Pettis. But Luke is a big guy, too. I mean, he's 5'11". He's not a small man in this weight class. Wonder Boy's so in unorthodox. But I think Luke's willingness to wade through a lot of that and his aggressiveness, it could hurt him, but I think he's going to get in. And you can hit Wonder Boy. It can be done. So I got Luke getting a win here. What do you think here, Steph? Um, I'm actually with you. Um, the shine is a little off on Wonder Boy for me. I kind of think he's at the tail end. And, and some of this is a little transverse. Uh, he got knocked out by Anthony Pettis, and that made me falsely believe in Pettis against Nate, uh, one of my most regrettable picks um, in recent memory. Because in my head, Pettis never had power in his hands. That was never anything that he put guys away with or he really punished anyone with. Um, and then he absolutely flattened uh, Wonder Boy with it. Um, I think Wonder Boy's just got a little bit of mileage. He's he's just a little bit older. He's been Wonder Man for several years right now, but that's just not as catchy. So um, I like the younger guy just being a bit quicker, a bit more athletic right now. Um, Mike? Yeah, I mean, every time Vicente Luque fights, I always assume he's like 36 or 37. And every time I look at his Wikipedia, I'm always surprised that he's still in his mid-20s. Oh, you're going to fucking take Luque too? Yeah, that's why I actually started God, laughing. I started laughing. <laughs> I started laughing when um, when, Steph, when Stefan picked Luque because I'm like, oh, my God, I thought I was going to be alone on this Dude, one. I, I've, I've been looking at this fight for like a month. I'm like, I'm picking Luque. Luque's going to win here, man. <laughs> I'm going to throw a little shade at you. This is your underdog special where you choose the underdog who's like, just a coin toss. It's like the slight, slight underdog, and you think you're going on a limb. Uh, so Thompson, he's a very good, uh, you know, counter striker. But 
and, and you know that could play well into his hands in this fight because as you said you know luke is pretty aggressive but luke has looked so goddamn good especially in his last six fights um of his 10 ufc victories nine are finishes and before his mike perry fight his last five were finishes as well. To be clear, uh, some, this, we, we think someone's getting knocked out here either way, the way this guy fights. Like, he's waiting in. Like, he's he's trying to get in. <laughs> someone's getting knocked out. I think more chance than not, someone's going to get knocked out. It's, it's going to be Thompson. Mark? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to take Thompson on this one and, and switch it up. I think you guys um, lay out a lot of work um, with how uh, – Vicente could, could get the win here. I mean, he has heavy hands. Thompson, I think you can definitely question the chin after not just because of the Pettis loss, but how much damage he took in that first uh, first Woodley fight where he got a lot of ground and pound. He ate a lot of heavy punches. Um, I'm a little, and this is probably playing way too much into Vicente's last fight, but the, the Mike Perry scrap, it being so close and so such a dog fight kind of makes me think like, you know, I don't think as highly of Mike Perry as I do um, potentially of Thompson, you know, and I think, your guys' concern about the shine wearing off, I think those are all totally adamant. I think that that makes sense. I, I'm not super surprised. I was even thinking of picking Vicente, but like the rest of this card, there's you can make cases on both things. And all in against Thompson and kind of looking at the Perry fight and maybe not holding Perry as in, you know, as high regard when it comes to a high skill level. Definitely a dude that's willing to scrap and, you know, is willing to put in a fight of the night performance. Um, I think Thompson could be a little bit more technical. Um, he's going to have to be the manador, um, which sometimes he does very well doing that. And sometimes he's, you know, fluttered doing that and has lost fights because of it. But I'll take Thompson. I think it's going to be a close fight. Um, I'm not going to be surprised in either outcome. I, I do think it has potential to go to the distance if Thompson, you know, is able to, you know, negate a lot of the big heavy punches and might be able to win uh, a fight that way. Vicente could easily as well. I think it's a really close, fun fight. But uh, yeah, I think Thompson has a shot. Uh, Blagoy Ivanov. Um taking on uh Derek Lewis. My balls is hot Lewis. My balls is hot Lewis. Uh Blagoy Ivanov coming off of two straight victories, wins over Ben Rothwell and Tai Tuivasa, both by decision. Um Derek Lewis, I believe has lost two in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Daniel Cormier and Junior Dos Santos. Um Blagoy Ivanov, I remember him as the guy who looks like Lewis Lit from Suits. That's that's what he looks like to me. Um, betting odds for this one. This one's damn coin flip, right, Steph? Like pretty much. <laughs> uh, I mean, more or less. Uh, Blagoy is coming in at the slight favorite of minus one twenty-five to Derek Lewis's plus one hundred five. Um, I'll take this because I think I'm gonna be the only one on the side of the favorite here. Um, everyone likes Derek Lewis so much. I know you all want to pick him, but I've seen a lot of Blagoy fights. And he just, he grinds things to a ugly, ugly decision mess. And then usually more often than not, he wins. He is not spectacular at anything. He does not have great striking. He's not particularly troublesome as a grappler. He'll take like 20 punches and not be knocked out by them. I don't know why he wins. This. Oh, shit. That's <laughs> 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 so censoring myself right there. Um, <laughs> I don't know why Blagoy wins, but this guy does. He just out toughens people, um, and I am compelled to pick him here for a card. So, I'm very excited about Stefan. Really, uh, I mean, Stefan's really pointed out the point of the evening where we will be eating dinner, where I plan on where we will be serving the meal, just in case we get one of those Blagoy fights. Uh, Mike, go ahead. 
So, uh, Stefan, make a little room on that love seat because you are not going to be alone on this <laughs> one. I'm actually picking Ivanov as well. Bobby said that Derek Lewis is on a two-fight losing streak. When really, if you want to get real technical, he's more like on a four-fight losing streak because he was getting his ass kicked in that Alexander Volkov fight up until like the last five seconds when he got that really it was lucky, the last lucky twelve knock, seconds, knockout. last twelve seconds. <laughs> and yeah, he may have gotten the decision in the Ngannou fight, but nobody won that evening in that fight. So Derek Lewis hasn't really looked good since what? When was that Tybor fight? Like early in 2018? And he's not exactly a fighter that's, you know, learning new tricks. You know, he's going to wade in. He's big. He's going to hit you with a, with an overhand right. And that's about it. Um, he had a great 2018. But I think what we're seeing with Derek Lewis is what we saw with Matt Brown a few years ago, where he's a wholly mediocre fighter who just goes on a hot run, and now he's cooled off. So I'm going with... Uh, even off uh mark i'm gonna eat my words because he's gonna knock this dude out in the first round i already know it. <laughs> you, you won't knock even out though he just he just it's ugly it's just a big ugly miss yeah well the love seat turns into a couch because i was already i was always gonna pick Blagoy because uh yeah and i think we all see the writing on the wall it's just we've always known Derek lewis has a low skill cap you know he's not particularly great in any I mean, really what he's great in is just always being in the fight until the last second. You know, this guy is going to have, you know, heavy hands. But I think you can look at Blagoy's last two fights. They were both big, heavy guys with heavy hands. And he was able to control them and get the decision. I think that's exactly what he's going to do here. He's going to control Derek. He's going to get him tired. And if he pushed the pace really hard, we've seen Derek get tired where he can't muster the effort, right? With DC, he was just, it was just too much. You know, the pace was way too high. I don't think Blagoy is going to put a pace on that's going to be that fast. Um, and, and, and honestly, Derek Lewis probably will have a chance in the last round to land that big punch. I think Blagoy is going to have just enough stamina not to get caught by it. But I, look, I had to look up Blagoy's picture because there's like there's like three Russian dudes in heavyweight. that I'm like, OK, I think they're very technical. And I thought Blagoy was one of those technical guys. But I looked up his pictures like, oh, no, this is the big heavy guy that just he just outgrinds the other guys. And that's going to give Derek Lewis a chance, I think, late in the fight. I would not be surprised if we see 20 seconds left on the clock and Derek does enough to get standing and ha will have that one shot. I think Blagoy is going to be smart enough to not do anything stupid, win the fight, get the decision, and carry on. Man, I was like getting ready to pick Derek Lewis just looking for a reason. This guy's never been knocked out. He got his ass kicked by Junior Dos Santos for 25 minutes and didn't get knocked out. In a lot of his post-fight photos, Bobby, he has black eyes. So yeah. he, has, he gets hit, Bobby. He does get hit. Just yeah. Just put him away. You just, you want it, Bobby. I got Blagoy. Weak. Weak, Bobby. So Steph at the beginning thought he was going to be alone on this island with so Blagoy. Right. And we all ended up picking him. Uh, I honestly didn't expect any of you to have watched Blagoy's fights because I wouldn't fault you. So I literally, I remember him as the guy who looks like the guy from Suits. That's all I got, and his fights are boring. <laughs> yeah, because I always remember definitively that I am the only one who watched him fight Junior Dos Santos because like people forgot that fight even happened. It was so boring and in the background. Um, uh, yeah, he's a he's a potatoy guy, Bobby. He's a guy you'd like. Gregor Gillespie, uh, Kevin Lee, betting odds for this one, Steph. 
Um, I was a little shocked, but maybe I shouldn't be. But um, Gregor is the favorite at minus 165 to Kevin Lee's plus 145. How the mighty have fallen. A lot of this is that uh, Kevin Lee said it himself. Gregor Gillespie's a terrible matchup for him. I like that. He pointed it out of himself. Kevin Lee said so. Um, Gregor Gillespie, the best fisherman in MMA. He'll tell you that. Um, I know I'm like the biggest Kevin Lee mark on this podcast. I don't like this matchup at all. I don't like anything that's going on with Kevin Lee. I didn't like him moving up in weight class just to take an ass kicking from a lightweight. And now we're going back down or is he sticking up here? I don't even know what's going on with this fight. Uh, this, is fight. this is lightweight. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't like him cutting. I don't like any that the Kevin anything Kevin Lee does. I think he's, I think he's way too talented, and it's being squandered at this moment. And if it's really true on Wikipedia that he's now getting trained by uh, Faraz Sahabi at TriStar, I feel better to be honest. But I saw this more on the uh, playing video games in his car. As like and, it was, and that was like it. And like I like Gregor Gillespie a lot, and he's got he's thirteen and zero. He's got eleven fucking finishes. He fucking finished Yancy Madero's. That's not easy. You can beat Yancy Madero's. Finishing him is a whole different ball of wax. Kevin Lee is an elite fighter, but I mean maybe this is the fight where he gets his things back on track. But he, I don't. I mean. I think this is the Gregor Gillespie. I think this is Gregor Gillespie's time to shine. He's from Webster, New York, which is, I mean, not Long fuck, Island. It's not fucking near anything. It's like in western, western New York, like Buffalo, maybe area ish. Um, but I think he's gonna get a win here. I think it'd be a big win for for Gregor Gillespie. Mark. Well, I'm a little disappointed, Bob. I thought for sure we'd have some differentiating here because I knew how much you love Kevin Lee. I'm a big Kevin Lee, Mark, man, but he, he, he got to win. But and I'm the opposite, and I've always kind of underestimated Kevin Lee, and he he has had some good performances, and he's won me over a little bit, but I still I just don't think that highly of him. And when I was looking at this fight and looking at Gregor's record and kind of saying like, okay, shit, dude's undefeated. He has not fought a guy the caliber of Kevin Lee yet. And that was kind of my one thing. I was like, okay, well, that's going to be a bit of a test. Then I saw the wrestling credentials and I was like, okay, I'm a little bit more confident in this guy. This guy's NCAA credentialed. Kevin Lee's also a good wrestler that his mix up with, you know, his, his decent stand up and really strong wrestling um, finding another wrestler, I was like, okay, I'm a little bit more comfortable picking Gregor. Um, I didn't know he himself explained that this is a tough matchup for him. When I saw he was fighting another wrestler who got a TKO on Yancey, I was like, okay, that's pretty. You know, I was looking through the credentials. There's no one on Gregor's list that is of stature of Kevin Lee, but how he's put the guys that he's put away, how he's done it, um, is pretty impressive just on paper. And I I'm going with Gregor because of that. Um, but damn, Bobby, I was so sure. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to pick this guy, and I know Bobby's going to pick Kevin Lee, so we'll have some some split there. But I don't know. I don't know if, if Mike and Steph are going to be as willing as I think you would have been. So oh, you guys got to tell me. Man, I just – I think Kevin Lee's got all the talent in the world, man. He just like – I think he just seems so raw still, and he makes some mistakes, and he hasn't got his weight right. There's a lot of problems. Um, Mike? Four-time All-American while he was in uh, in college for wrestling. Uh, national champion as well for Gregor Gillespie. Um, when I saw this matchup for, um, last week, I thought, oh, wait, that's, the, that's that guy that's like undefeated. And I wasn't exactly sure who it was, but I just remember thinking, oh, I, thought, I think that guy's pretty good. And I watched his uh, 
Yancey Madero fight, and I think uh, the fight right before that. And the guy's shown an ability to knock people out. And I'm a sucker for an undefeated prospect, even though he's five years older than, uh, than Kevin Lee. Um, honestly, this was a close fight for me to pick because Kevin Lee is a, is a really good fighter. But um, I'm going to go with Galepsi on this one just because... Yo, man, I like I like a zero next to a man's loss column. So, all of, all the things being equal, I'm just go with that. Stefan, is Kevin Lee's O about to go? Not Kevin Lee. Uh, I great. fucked it up. I <laughs> fucked Kevin, it up. Kevin Lee's been gone. His O been gone for a minute, Bobby. <laughs> um, but Mark, if you were disappointed about this, I'm still disappointed. Bobby talked himself out of Derek Lewis uh, for a Blagoy Ivanov, Bobby. Dude, I, I, I you love still, Derek Lewis. There's still about 20 minutes left in this podcast. It might turn around. <laughs> thinking about it <laughs> um yeah I, i'm it's you know this is the tale of a lot of coin flip cards we a lot of us end up leaning on the same side i like gregor um i've seen his fights uh one thing that he has really going for him he he is a relentless pace kind of wrestler he is that wrestler who can just go 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 um and we've seen kevin lee he's had problems cutting to lightweight um you know has he tightened that up is that gonna help him because as a result, that's shown in his fight at welterweight and lightweight. He has gas tank issues. Um, he's really explosive. He's really athletic, but it really goes away after the first round. And Gregor, he'll take you to deep water, no problem. Um, he 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 he'll push the pace on Kevin, and I, I see Kevin breaking unless he he surprises the hell out of me. Um, but it, it's he called it right. This is a bad matchup for him. It really is. I don't know why he took it. Uh, okay. Um... Corey used to be beast in 25-8. Now it's overtime. Anderson taking on Johnny Walker. Johnny what? Walker's first fight since he hurt himself back in March doing the worm. Right? That's what he did. Kind of. Um, Corey Anderson's been accosting John Jones at signings. And nobody likes Corey Anderson. Like at all anything about him he's boring no one thought he was number one contender here we are fight odds uh we have Corey anderson at plus 130 to johnny walker's minus 150 johnny walker since entering the ufc off of dana white's contender series has fought three fights he is three and oh with three performance bonuses three knockouts one by elbow one but one by spinning back fist and punches one by flying knee and punches he has fought for two minutes and 48 seconds inside the octagon. In his last three fights, Corey Anderson has beaten three people of name value. Patrick Cummins, Glover Teixeira, Ilar Latifi. Um, he entertained exactly zero people in these three fights. He won all three by decision. No one can remember anything that happened in any of them. He was in the octagon long enough for a whole episode of The Blacklist. Um, I know I'm giving him a hard time here, but Corey Anderson's on a bit of a run here. 12 and 4 overall. Um, I We actually fought, saw his first UFC fight in person. Um, showed up when he was 3 and 0, fought on the Ultimate Fighter finale. Betting odds for this one, I think Johnny Walker's a slight favorite, right, Steph? Oh, I already gave him, but uh, uh, yeah, you want me to just go into my pick? Yeah, fuck it, go ahead. Um, I got Johnny Walker. Um, kind of of all these rising light heavyweight guys, he's been the most interesting one to me. Um, I know uh, Dominic Reyes had that, you know, people like that knockout on Weidman. I'm still suspect on it just because I think Weidman is broken. 
Um, but Walker is the one who's really been impressing me. And if he can come out of this one with a victory, the thing that I'll find most interesting is it means he went through a credible wrestling threat. And that's what we need to see before he fights a John Jones, right? He's got these flashy strikes. We know he can stand. We know he has yeah. power. But has he has he taken on a true grappling threat? Corey Anderson's going to be that. He's going to challenge him with wrestling. And so if we can see Walker defend that, like, he, you know, manage to keep the distance, that will go a long way in terms of telling us, like, is he a credible threat to John Jones? Because that's what I'm watching for in this fight. This is a trying to launch a number one contender type uh, platform. This should be on the pay-per-view. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I was um, surprised that this was an undercard one, honestly. Like, you could have put this arguably as the co-main. Granted, those other guys have fought for belt, so I get it. But had this been the co-main over them, I wouldn't have necessarily like been troubled by that. You know what I mean? Honestly, I that highly of Walker. I would normally say, hey, more people are going to watch it on the prelims, which still might be the case, but this is not on ESPN. The prelims is on ESPN2. And we might be looking for Kennedy for John Jones here. And I like Kevin Lee and Gregor Gillespie both a lot. And that's going to be a really good fight. And look, let's be honest, Derek Lewis and Evenoff shouldn't be on the main card, but it's heavyweights. I think you could have found a way to put this on the main card. Um, I'm picking Johnny Walker. And Mark, what I'm worried about here in my slight hesitation is that I'm worried about we have a case of the Ozdemirs here where a guy shows up, gets a couple quick knockouts, and we just think this guy's the like, the shit, and we're missing glaring giant holes in his game. And he's fought for three minutes, this guy, Mark, so we don't know. Um, I'm taking Johnny Walker for now, but we, there's a lot we don't know about this kid. <laughs> yeah, and um, those were the points I was going to bring up. I'm going to pick Corey, and I think you guys are right. I mean, Johnny Walker is, you know, he's the star right now. He's had three, his last three fights have lasted, you know, less than 30 seconds, extremely flashy you know, knockouts. And I think Corey has to be looking at that and being like, okay, let's, the, the game plan has got to be, it's, it's kind of like when, if you're going to fight, um, Greg Hardy is like, you know, this dude's going to come out hot and heavy early on, weather the storm, get him in the clinch, zap that energy down a little bit. And let's see, you know, when he's not fresh and super explosive, what he has left in the tank, you know, d is he going out a hundred percent when he first comes out in that first 30 seconds and does he have anything in the tank after? You know, I think he does. I, I think Johnny Walker is a smart enough fighter to know that, you know, you can explode heavy, try to catch them early, but leave enough in the tank that if plan A doesn't work, you have plan B and C still ready to to execute. Um, I think Corey knows what he has to do to win this fight. He has to make it he has to he has to fight and perform the way he does when he wins fights. And they and Bobby, you're right. They're boring, they're not exciting, but that's how he gets W's. That's how you build a record. Um, and my biggest hesitation with picking Corey and why I'm not hundred percent confident and just thinking like, Oh, Bobby and, and Stefan are, are, are in sell fool's gold here. Um, because Corey has gotten knocked out. He's gotten knocked out early in fights. He's gotten locked, knocked out late in fights. He's gotten knocked out by fighters that I don't think are as explosive and as skilled as Johnny Walker are. When you look at, um, OSP knocked him out late in the third round with a head kick, you know, Johnny Walker definitely has head kicks in the arsenal. He's going to have weapons. Um, so I think it's a really close fight, um, and I'm really picking Corey for all the reasons you mentioned, Bobby. You know, we it is Johnny Walker a flash in the pan. Are we going to see him highly exposed when he fights someone who's going to be able to grind him out? Um, we don't know. I'm, I'm really interested to see. Um, we're not going to learn a ton if Johnny just goes in there and, and blasts a, a flying knee and catches Corey and knocks him out. You know, it'll be another example of this dude super dangerous in the beginning. Um, but there'll still be a lot of questions to be answered. So I think ultimately I like to see Johnny tested in this go late in the round and see if he still has something in the tank and if he can get the fight done then. Um, that'd be interesting. Mike. 
I really thought about picking Anderson um, as uh, as Mark was talking solely just because, man, I thought we th- I thought we thought that we were going to be going very differently in our fight picks um, for this card. But that is not a reason to pick Corey Anderson. Um, I'm, st- I'm still going to go with Johnny Walker because even though his competition that he's fought has been quite shit so far. Um, of the three people he's fought in the UFC, uh, Corey Anderson for sure is going to be the biggest step up in competition. But um, much like when you're at the craps table, you got to ride the hot hand until you get snake eyes. So I'm going to bank on that he'll be able to rise to the occasion and uh, make quick work of uh, Anderson. Yeah, so um, those are our picks. Also on this card, worth mentioning, um, we're getting a return of uh, Makwan Army Amir Khani. Big fan favorite taking on Shane Burgess um, in what should actually be a pretty uh, pretty entertaining fight there. Um, we also have Brad Tavares um, still doing his thing, man. Andre Arlovsky. I might catch this entire prelim part on ESPN2, to be honest. And uh, also, Mark, just so you know, if things break out right for you, uh, you will have the lead. Come, uh, well, that would be that would be quite surprising. I took some leaps of faith here. Maybe one or two. Will well, you know, man, all these but... odds are so close. We like, I, I we yeah. all try to speak definitively about our picks, but honestly, every one of them, I'm like, the I'm, I'm, I'm like three minutes away from talking about from switching to Derek Lewis. But every one of these fights, I'm just like, this could go either way. Okay, you, I feel fans will need to watch out because they they're stay glued on the website there might be some adjustments before the fight card actually uh, happens i've seen that happen um jennifer maya and caitlin chukasian uh chaitlin chukasian is the number one contender to uh she's next in line in theory to get baptized by my girl shevchenko so her fighting jennifer maya here um i would maybe have not put it on fight pass yeah not if a lot of love you, not a lot of love if you want people to actually you know watch these fucking fights um, for to when you later on wonder why nobody gives a shit about the fight. I mean, Jennifer Maya is good too. I think she might be ranked pretty high in this weight class as well. So, um, she's ranked five. Chukasian's ranked number one. That sounds like a fight that should at least be on f- the fucking ESPN two part mark. Agreed. Yes. Yes. Con- fight contender, contender matchup. Yeah. Yes. Should be. I, I look, I, I like Andre Olovsky a lot. You guys all know this, but. And Brad Tavares, you know. And Brad Tavares. Either it's one of those fights. Hard. Either one of those could go. The Burgess fight could go. This should be on there. Lyman Good's on there, too. Lyman Good's a good fighter, man. That's another one that's not... Uh, Rocky record good fighter. Rocky, yeah. He, he He's very inconsistent, but he also is a former Bellator tournament winner. Or, I'm yeah, not sure. I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he did, won a tournament and held the belt and all that good stuff. Yeah, he got his... He, he took an ass-kicking from Ben Askren. Um, he won the first tournament, actually. Uh, was 10-0. Now he's... Uh, 20 and 5, so a little rocky since then. And Hakeem Dawoodoo uh, was somebody people were really, uh, people were really hyped on him. And he's really, I mean, he's won three straight, last one being a head kick victory. Um, so if you have Fight Pass still, which Mike, do you still have Fight Pass? That would be a big negative. Um, yeah, okay. Um, nobody has Fight Pass. Why would people still have Fight Pass? Anyway, um, this is a good card. Um, I'm excited for it. So we'll see um, what we get out of this thing. Um, UFC's back next week in Russia, where Greg Hardy volunteered to take a fight on short notice in Russia against a guy way better than him. So 
If that's on Fight Pass, oh, it's not on Fight Pass. It's on ESPN Plus. I was gonna say that'd be a reason if you watch Greg Hardy get his ass kicked. Um, all right, let's do stuff we like. As I make sure nobody tested positive for anything in the last hour and a half hour or so, we've been recording this podcast. Um, Nate Diaz says, "I'll fight forever. I'm never going to retire." Well, fuck! I was really listening to live or something. Come on! I didn't literally, I didn't literally pull this up on Twitter. I'll fight forever. Well, okay. Um, all right. Um, stuff we like. Um, I'll go first. I got, um, real quick, two things. Um, AEW, I watched this past week, really enjoyed the whole segment with the brawl and the concourse of the arena. Really cool. Good shit. Um, that's, I mean, I'm not going to get more into it quite than that because I mostly want to talk about, I promised you guys one of us would watch this. I said Mike would. Wait, but I, I, realized... have a, I have AEW commentary. Oh, go ahead, man. Can I try on that in real quick? Because it, yeah, into, it ties into Bellator. Is, uh, uh, Jake Hager oh, yeah. Had, Jake Hager had a fight. Jake Hager, who is in the heel faction of AEW, has a real MMA fight. And you know what happens in that fight? It's a no contest because he needs the guy in the dick too many times. That is some heel maneuverisms. That is committing to the bit, Jake Hager. You're a heel in pro wrestling. You're a heel in MMA. I do like that everybody's saying if he doesn't show up on Wednesday night and knee Cody Rhodes in the dick, this was all for nothing. Um, I did enjoy Sammy Guevara at the Bellator event with um, Santana and Ortiz. And Santana and Ortiz sitting next to the MMA media talking about how they want to jump the cage and stab Jake Hager's opponent. Made me realize these MMA reporters don't really know what they're getting into with some of these rogue at former TNA guys. <laughs> so that was, that was a thing. Um, it was a good show, man. AEW had a good show. TN and NXT had a good show. Every week. It's great. If you watch wrestling, you should watch wrestling only on Wednesdays. You won't be disappointed. Um, all right. I promised that one of us would watch Watchmen. And I think I said specifically Mike was going to watch it. But then I said, fuck, man. I've read this book like 12 times. I should watch the show. And um, bunch I of people, it. yeah, and a bunch of people who um we know and respect have talked about how much I like it. Stefan's brother, I think, Steph, you mentioned last week how much your brother thought of it too, as a Watchmen um, fan. Yeah, kind of as a you know uh the young end of the Gen Xer generation, this book was made for them. Yeah. Um, it was all about their political disenfranchisement. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of the it, it's a Mount Rushmore in the world of comics. Watchmen is one of the properties. Not, you know, uh, a lot of hit and miss movie aside from like the uh, kind of mid late 2000s. Yeah. So um, this show, Mike, did you watch it? You said. Yeah, I watched both episodes. So don't talk about episode two because I haven't watched it yet. I only watched episode one. So this the basic premise is it's modern day, but all the events from the Watchmen book happened. And I'm honestly not sure if this show is meant for you to have needed to watch the original or not, or read the original or not. Based on the first episode, I don't think so. But what I'm going to talk about is as someone who read the books, some of the references. So, like, the basic premise is what is that um, it's a world where it seems very um, totalitarian country on the liberal side though which is an interesting twist where there's extreme gun control and you know po even police can only use guns in certain instances um i Got think that's a fair sense. yeah I, no i mean it's i honestly man for like it's kind of 
it's kind of a mind fuck some of it. I think it's Damian Lind Lindenoff is his name, Steph, the guy who made Lost. Is that how you say it? Lindelof. Lindelof. He's the one who made this show. Um there's a right wing group that wears uh Rorschach masks and they're racist. Um like white supremacists. Um and I got the impression at least that they may have received they might have been the ones who get to got a copy of Rorschach's diary. Those are the people who read the books. I'm trying to try to beat around this thing after reading one episode, and it's kind of hard, Mike, because there's a lot of stuff going on, and it's hard at this point to determine where we're going with any of it. But as someone who read the book and loved the book, I am really intrigued with where this is going. What do you think? Well, um, was Rorschach a racist? E yeah. yeah, pretty yeah. much. Pretty much, yeah. He was, uh, he was also, like, uh, he, he kind of had the incel thing. I think yeah. his mom was a hooker, so he, like, would punish people who were sexually impure. Yeah, yeah he had a lot of uh, kind of deranged things going yeah. on as well. There was a lot of problems with Rorschach. He was not, you know, he believed in justice in a weird way. But go ahead. <laughs> no, but yeah, um, so the people that wear the Rorschach masks, um, they're called, at least in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they're called the Cal the 7th Calvary. And they haven't quite explained yet why they have the Rorschach masks on. So... That's likely something that they'll get into in a later episode, I have to assume. I think that might be a good guess on your part that they ended up, those are the people that ended up getting Rorschach's diary. So maybe yeah. they became disillusioned that way and they just hate black people as well. Who knows? It could yeah. be both. It could be, who knows? Mutually oh, yeah. Things. Worth mentioning, the only person I've recognized in the one episode I've watched, I mean, the only person from the original, uh, Jeremy Irons is playing um, Ozymandias. Like he's playing Vite. That's Adrian Veidt, isn't he? That's what I took from it. <laughs> the guy in the mansion? The rich dude? I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> no, I'm talking yeah, to Mike. Mike, Mike is the only one. Who, Mike's giving me this look. I think he's playing Ozymandias, isn't he? That's who I took it to be. They haven't said anything yet. That's who I thought it was. Anyway, um, if you read the book, there's really no reason for you not to give it a shot. Because I'm assuming if you read the book, you think highly of it. I don't know anybody who just read well. I know people who don't even like like comics or graphic novels and they've read it like and they're like yeah man this is excellent like it's one of the best pieces of it was like it was in the time uh when they did the 100 best pieces of uh, books of the century after year, the year 2000 in time magazine this was on the list it was it's an excellent excellent uh book so you should read it if nothing else and it's hbo man give them the benefit of the doubt that's what I got. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch the second episode, assuming this editing this podcast doesn't break me <laughs> after they were done recording tonight. That's my plan. I'm in. And it's got Regina King, Mike. So we're supporting Regina King and everything. <laughs> we always do. You know, Regina King, a.k.a. Riley and Huey Freeman. Yeah, always. Regina King's in it. Uh, Don Johnson in it. Um, Jeremy Irons, who I think is playing Ozymandias. I'm not, I'm not doubting it because Mike gave me that look. That's who I thought he's playing. Um, I don't remember anybody else. I, I, I just had, I just hadn't even thought about that. So that's why I gave you that look. I'm like, oh wow, I didn't even think about that. Well, my entire mind when watching the show is looking for fucking shit, man. I'm just like, where are they? Where are they all? <laughs> give me, uh, give me something. Um, I was like 50 50 on that dude's name being Jeremy Irons. Um, okay. Anyway, um, I really liked it, man. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna give it a shot, and uh, Mike seems in too. So. It's worth investing, at least in. 
to give it a shot. Get checking out what's going on. Um, Mark, what do you got this week? Yeah, uh, most just want to cover a bunch of games because we're right in the fall season and good stuff's landing all the time. Uh, so mostly last week, I kind of want to uh, talk about what dropped because a lot of good stuff dropped. Uh, talk of the town is the Outer Worlds. Um, I know Stefan's been playing it, so I'm gonna leave a lot a lot of that to him. Um, but me and Christina have been playing it as well. Um, it's been getting extremely good word of mouth. Um, the bit I've played and Christina played have been extremely, extremely uh, fun and well-polished. And just, um, this is a big win for Microsoft. Microsoft just bought uh, Obsidian, who made this game. And while this game was in develop before they bought them, so it's coming out on more platforms um, than it probably will in the future, they have a bona fide hit on their hands. And you can damn well bet they're going to they're gonna make an Outer Worlds 2 and that one's going to be Xbox exclusive, and that's really what Microsoft has been lacking for basically the whole Xbox One generation is really solid um, first-party titles that move the needle and get people to buy their systems. And I think when they come out with the Xbox Two or whatever the next gen is called and they have Outer Worlds 2 on it, I think that is going to make a lot of people interested in potentially buying their product. So outside of that, uh, Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare kind of reboot came out. That has gotten a lot of positive word of mouth as well. Um, but one of the games that I've been playing a lot of and really enjoying is a small indie title called uh, Lonely Mountain Downhill. And I've really been enjoying it. It's kind of just what it sounds. I think I talked about it last week. Um, you just kind of do these downhill trails off a mountain. And you basically do the trail. You unlock challenges. You do the challenges. It unlocks little things for your character and to slowly uh, build new bikes. But it is just the, the physics are just on point. It is just so fun going down these trails. Um, it is very soothing and relaxing. And it can also be extremely frustrating when you're trying to do some of these challenges where they're all time trials. And really, the time trials really come down to finding shortcuts and how the game works with how the camera kind of moves independently. Um, you can't really see what's coming ahead of you. So you kind of have to make, you know, split second decisions on am I going to take this path? Am I going to go down this way and hope that it leads back to the uh, the main path? Is really fun. I definitely recommend um, this game. It's definitely getting overshadowed because there's so much good stuff coming out. Um, but check out some some videos of uh, Lonely Mountains Downhill. It is really fun. I can attest to. Before I move on to the movie I saw, I did want to mention this week also has a couple of really cool games coming out. Um, as you guys are listening to this on the 29th, a uh, indie game called After Party is coming out. This is from the developers uh, Night School, who did Oxenfree. They do really fantastic um, kind of choose-your-own-adventure Telltale-like narrative structure games, and this one's about a couple college friends that unexpectedly die at a party, and they're sent to hell, and the only way they can get out of hell is to beat Satan in a contest, and they want to drink, outdrink Satan, so they kind of have to go on this big quest in hell. It's vibrant, colorful, and mostly I've heard that the voice acting and, and writing is just really incredible um, and really fun. And lastly, I want to mention, because we're creeping up on uh, Halloween, uh, Luigi's Mansion 3 comes out on Halloween. Um, I think it probably would not smarter to release it a little bit before Halloween so you can get some of that Halloween spirit. But uh, reviews came out, I think, late last week, and it's been really positive. Um, the games looked really fun. Uh, lastly, I did want to mention a movie I did see over the weekend, which I really enjoyed. Um, me and Christine went to see The Lighthouse. Uh, this is from the director that did The Witch and Heredity. I can't remember his name. It's something... Briggs or something, eggs, something. I remember eggs in his last name because it was really weird. Um, but this is a really fun film. Um, if you've seen those other films, which I hadn't before, um, you kind of know the director's style. Um, but this movie was, it's basically about two fishermen, probably like in the eight, late 1800s. Um, it's black and white. What's that? 
it's supposed to be in 1890 i read 1890 okay um and that time for, and it's basically just two sailors that have to man a lighthouse and how they kind of slowly go insane and um it's just a great actor piece i mean you hear in like all the kind of agent movies like oh we just you're a great actor we need to find the right vehicle for you or whatever and this is such a great vehicle for william defoe his just his weird facial structure just matches that of an old burly sea captain and uh Robert Patterson, I believe, is the other actor who's doing Batman, um, was forever before this movie was just the Twilight kid. And I thought that was all he would ever be known for. But he really he puts on his acting chops and he hangs in there with Willem Dafoe and they kind of go tete a tete in this movie. It is really fascinating. It is really interesting, um, beautifully shot. And I thought what was really fun is, you know, especially in this post Marvel uh, kind of cinematic universe, I'm very used to kind of sitting down and watching uh, credits after the movie and i think even before you know they would have extra scenes you'd sit down you know especially with a heavy movie like um the lighthouse there's a lot going on you need a second to kind of take it all in and what's most surprising and, and not I mean, surprising in a way because it's a big hollywood movie but the credits go by so fast because this was a small crew it's really just these two actors in a very tight and enclosed space and basically, they're singing a little sea shanty. By the time the the little uh, sea shanty is over, the credits are done. I was like, "Damn, those credits were like forty five seconds." It sounded like fifty people worked on this film. It was, it's it's a very intriguing film. It's not super scary. It didn't have a lot of jump scares. It was more psychological, but very interesting, impactful, and definitely one of those movies. Like after the movie, I was like, "Okay, I need to watch some like tell me what really happened. What did I really experience?" Because I I get the gist, but I know there's more literary things going on that are kind of flying over my head so a really fun film i, I definitely recommend uh, checking it out the lighthouse mike not too much for me this week you already took Watchmen for me so just for the sake of being different um one thing that i've heard about for over a year now that is not that i've resisted watching but i just haven't gotten around to it because as anyone who knows me knows, I normally juggle about 30 shows in my rotation. Uh, but I started watching uh, HBO's Succession. And I am on about episode four um, at this point. I've watched a few episodes between yesterday and today. And people are right. It's a, it's a really good show. Um, it's basically a show about this really rich, uh, dysfunctional family who... Honestly, none of them have any good traits, at least of the uh, the immediate family, except for uh, except for like two of the wives. Um, besides that, um, all of the characters kind of suck as people, but that's what makes the show really good. Stefan, I know you had a good one this week. What do you got? Did I have a good one? Um, I, I, after Mark mentioned his movie, did I talk about seeing Zombieland too? Because I saw Zombieland yeah. too. Did I talk about you that? Did. I think you did last week. Oh, you I did. Yeah. All right. Um, and then I'm going to see Jojo Rabbit tomorrow. So can't talk about it yet, but um, that's just been on the list of movies Mark and I have chatted about that we're kind of interested in. Um, you know, we don't get to see movies as much as we do anymore, but um, that one kind of caught my eye with the uh, interesting premise of um, a little boy whose uh, imaginary friend is Hitler, uh, as played by Taika Waititi. So we'll see uh, how well they tread that line. Um, but for me, it really was just one thing this past week. Mark already mentioned it. Um, you know, Mark, I, I encroach into his uh, kind of game territory from time to time. Uh, Mark's the kind of guy, he, he's got his finger on the pulse. He knows all the games that come out. 
Um, I'm a little bit more selective, but every once in a while, one catches my eye, and when it catches my eye, boy, does it catch my eye. I didn't watch any of the fights this past week. A lot of that was because I was playing this game. Um, as I, you know, I kind of remember uh, when Mark was talking about it, uh, kind of previewing it last week. I remember I kind of asked him, like, you know, is this something I'd be interested in? You mentioned that they made South Park Stick of Truth, but the one I at least maybe didn't hear you mention it, but maybe you did, was after I looked up and saw that they made um, one of my all-time favorite RPGs um, back on the original Xbox is uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2. That's when I knew, okay, shit, I'm going to love this game. Um, led me to some reviews. Someone, instantly the tagline was, it's like Firefly meets uh, Fallout. Um, and that's a hell of a summation and a hook for me. Um, one of the smartest sci-fi, like kind of TV series ever written in terms of like, you know, realism and things. Um, you know, there's a, it definitely feels like fallout. There's a lot of things you can just see, you could chalk it up to this kind of outer space, uh, coat of paint, but, um, the, the, the feel is just better. The control feels good. Um, I've, I encountered no bugs. Uh, which is something like these Fallout kind of big sandbox games are really notorious for in recent years. Um, the writing is fantastic. There's really funny and clever characters. Like, I've been hooked on this game. Like, I've been playing it in, like, sessions where my controller dies. Um, that doesn't happen to me often anymore nowadays, but this game has really hooked me. Um, I know you guys say, Mark, you said you're in it a little bit, but um, how's it been feeling for you so far? Oh, no, it's it's been fantastic. And I, I, I I'm glad you mentioned the bugs, because uh bethesda you know when they made new vegas very buggy game um i know uh sean christine's brother you know was really interested in this game but he was like he's like yeah i'm interested but like they make really buggy games if this game's buggy and i can't turn in quests and i have all the bethesda jank you know it could really sour the experience but so far our experience haven't had any look of it even even like normal weird semi open world stuff haven't had any of it and like you said steph you you can really feel the, the firefly love when you go on your ship and there's kind of this dining room when Christine walked in, I was like, "Oh, that's the fire! That's the Firefly dining room. That's the tables right in the middle. They have all the cabinets around there, and it's just like, yeah, you can tell they they know how to do a space cowboy game. Um, that was definitely the motif. And there's besides even the stuff you mentioned, like the music creeps up on me all the time. I'm like, fuck, this music is really cool. It's kind of twangy, kind of cowboy, but it has a little synth, a little sci-fi in it. Um, they just they mend a lot of things really well. The gameplay is great. You know, all of your stats kind of feed in, not just into just dialogue stuff. Like you can have dialogue things, but they also feed into combat because characters will be like intimidated by you. So uh, everything kind of feeds into each other. It's it's a really great game. I think it's Bethesda at their best. It's really them focusing in on the things that really shine in their game and. What they've been saying through the development cycle is like smaller scale. We're keeping this small scale. We're getting this done in a timely manner. Um, and that's why it's not really the biggest game. You know, it's not as big as New Vegas. It's not an open world game. You go on different planets. I haven't gotten this far. Steph can attest. You go to different planets. You're in, you know, fairly big sections of these planets. But it's not a vast, wide open world like the Fallout games or the Skyrim games. And that really allowed the devs to focus in, make everything fully realized, make really in-depth characters and missions that are multi-step, that are a little bit more nuanced than what you're used to. And um, they got a hit. You know, they got they, they really hit a home run here. Um, I'm not going to be surprised when this game is talked about for Game of the Year. And like I said, Microsoft just has to be like, fuck, yeah, this is what they needed. This is why they bought eight studios. They needed to get software that people really cared about because... Just the fan base is getting tired of Halo and Gears and Forza. You know, there's people are super into those games, but they need to branch out 
like they did in the beginning of the 360 with having Bioshock exclusive, having Mass Effect exclusive. They need this kind of unique software that get that get people really excited. And I think this being multi-platform is going to help them because I'm gonna I'm gonna not going to be too surprised when Outer Worlds two comes out. And Sean's talking about like, um, maybe I should get an Xbox. I don't know. I kind of want to play this game, but I don't have the system. That might get a lot more people interested in, in their next big hardware. So big win on them. Speaking of bugs, we have a grand champion now of bugs for 2019. And that's WWE 2K20. Ah. Oh yeah, that is a fire wreck. That is house. that is the the best videos on you on Twitter and YouTube right now are all the bugs. I like the one where the guy just spins in a circle like I, fucking tornado. What I mostly kind of like about it is, as someone that has been playing those WWE games, I've you know I think since like 2016 or 17, I've been buying them every year because I've really because honestly, I think they did a they've been doing a really good job on the pure wrestling, the one on one match wrestling. I. I mean, I was playing it this year. Fire Pro came out. That used to be my gold standard. And I was just like, I have more fun playing WWE. Um, and I, what I'm ultimately getting to is a lot of people shit on Ukes because the game had a lot of issues outside of that with the modes and stuff. And everyone's like, man, Ukes sucks. Like, they haven't made a good game since Here Comes the Pain. And this year, they're like, you know what? We're, we're off. We, we can't, you know, contract ended, whatever. Our hands are clean. Now it's Visual Concepts, who Visual Concepts is 2K Sports. These guys have been fucking killing it with NBA. Everyone thinks of them as like the top tier developer. And honestly, this was there's a lot of issues going on with WWE. And mostly it's like these guys should have been given at least two years to develop an engine and really get it down instead of having to spit this out in a year. But now it's like, oh, maybe it wasn't that bad. You know, they 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 jumped ship and it was it was up to visual concepts to to write the ship and get something done in an extremely short amount of time. And they really shit the bed. And, you know, that's. It's on them. You know, they put out a bad product. The game is selling very well. So that has to really sour a lot of people that are playing this game, maybe not having a good experience because the bugs are numerous and widespread. So it's like you're going to be running into stuff. Everyone's going to be feeling it. There's going to be a lot of unhappy customers. They have to get a lot of patches out to fix a lot of things that doesn't seem realistic that they're going to fix. So they're going to have a really angry fan base. 2K21 is going to be a tough sell. Yeah, they uh it's the thing, man, we have a yearly game. Maybe you don't need it to be a yearly game. Sometimes. Um All right, um that's it. We have a absurdly long podcast this week where I don't even know how long it is, because well, we had issues. Um we'll be back next week. We're gonna talk about fuck if we have to. Um this card that's airing next week, um which look, I love I love talking about Zabit, but Woo. We're gonna be talking about the fight yeah. we saw, and then we'll talk. There's a card, and it sucks, and yeah, yeah. Zabit's on the card. Other fights too. Greg Hardy's gonna get beat up. All fun. Um, be back next week. Um, thank you all very much for listening. Um, if you're gonna order a fight card this year, it is probably gonna be this one. So Can everybody enjoy the fights. Yet. I'm curious to see what that belt looks like. I of all the things I'm interested in, Bob. That is my so fugly. <laughs> You know what? The standard for shitty belts this year, Stefan knows, is the WWE 24-7 title. That is the bottom right now of the barrel and the new belts I saw this year. Um, AEW's main belt looked really nice. I think we're going to get to see something closer to the 24-7 belt. Steph, what do you think? <laughs> it's going to look like the previous UFC belt. And then they're just going to write us. They're going to spray paint BMF on it, NWO style. So you're saying there aren't going to be skulls on it? Or a dragon, maybe? Oh, my God. I mean, UFC, they're pretty much the kings of cringe. 
So, like Mark is saying, I got some really low expectations for what this is going to be. As presented by The Rock. There you go. That's what I was about to say. The Rock is involved in this. And you know he only attaches his name to quality. Exactly. Skyscraper, anybody? Did you see Skyscraper? I did. I'm not going to ask if it was bad. I'm sure it wasn't bad, but it probably wasn't good either. It just existed. Yeah. I watched, what's it called? The, uh... Rampage movie. It was just there. I think San Andreas <laughs> was the last time he got my money. Oh, I, I, I didn't, didn't, he didn't get my money for that one. That was I watched that. Bobby. It's too real. It's too real. You know what it is? You watch The Rock's movies on an airplane. They're always there. Okay? The Rock's got at least three movies on any decent airline's entertainment system. Nah, Rock is, uh, he's money material for that game we play of what is preempting Bellator this week. Um, a rock oh, movie it, is definitely. It's all. What's the one with uh, Stifler? It, that one is it's always. always on. It's always like Walking Tall. Is the one with uh, what was the name of the one with Stifler? What was the one with Stifler? And, no, the Walking Tall was the one where he. No, that's Stifler's the the uh, El Dorado one. The rundown. Yeah, the rundown. They, that movie had. I remember the movie had the, the, the had better names. That movie. And then they landed on the rundown. I remember that. They were going to call it Hell Dorado, but they wanted that PG thirteen. Yo, uh, Bob, your boy is in that movie. In what? Oh, the rundown. Who's Ernie Reyes Jr., man. Oh, yeah, of course. He kicks the rock's ass up and down that jungle, man. Kicks the shit out of him. I, I don't <laughs> know what language Ernie Reyes was speaking in that movie, but I have to assume he was speaking it not well. I I mean, what? I, I mean, I don't know what languages Ernie Reyes speaks. He's from here. So it could be at anything. Smart money on Spanish or Tagalog, maybe? But I don't think it was a real language. <laughs> anyway, we're just rambling right now. And Mike's watching Michael B. Jordan in the background eat chicken wings. Thank you guys all for listening. Um, we'll be back next week. Mark said it is a shitty card. We'll talk about that. Enjoy the fights. Enjoy all of them. Hopefully, it's a good card. Mike's going to buy a ticket last minute for $6,000 and go sit us and give us live coverage. Oh, See you, you guys know, next man. week. Peace out. See ya. Cheers. <laughs>